0: You're listening to the Lifetree Community Church Podcast, recorded on Sundays in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our goal is to help you grow from root to fruit. Thanks for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Uh, I invite you to turn to Colossians chapter 1. And uh, I had the page number in my head, and I think it was it. I forget. I don't know. It was It was... I'm thinking 803, but I don't think that's right. I don't know. 903. I was close. See, it was the numbers were in there like way back somewhere. I need to do my mind mapping. So 903, Colossians chapter 1. And uh, as you're turning there, I um, just want to let you know I'm rooting for the Giants today. Um, yeah, every year I root for the Giants in the Super Bowl. It's just, uh, you know, I, I, I don't have any affiliation to the Rams. I know they used to be in St. Louis, and now they're in L.A. Actually, they were in L.A., then they went to St. Louis, now they're back in L.A. Um, and the Patriots, <coughs> it's my official statement on the Patriots. <coughs> okay, so if you're if you're a fan of either of those teams, congratulations. I'm really just in it for the commercials today, and maybe some wings. Um, so that's really about anybody else, I, mean, I really don't care about the game whatsoever. Let's just see if there's a funny Doritos commercial, right? Like, that's, that's, that's what we're looking for. Um, so anyway, I just figured I'd wear giant stuff just to get in the mood. Our kids did a great job this morning, uh, our pancake breakfast. Let's give it up for them. Uh, if you missed it, you missed it out. It was a good time. We had red pancakes or blue. You could cast your vote for your team based on the pancakes, or you could be the, uh, you know, just you know, the fence rider and have one of each and, you know, like Kevin and Pierre, you know, like you guys, diplomats here, you guys are like, oh, "I don't want to offend anybody. I don't have one of each." You know, um, there's sausage, all sorts of good stuff. And uh, the money that they were raising was donation only, free breakfast, donation only, all going towards Speed the Light. Speed of Light's a great organization. Basically, our our, yeet, our, our teens um, they participate in missions by supporting an organization called Speed of Light. It purchases vehicles, sound systems, things like that for missionaries overseas. So it's you're like, man, can I really do that stuff? Yes, the teens from New Jersey collectively get together, and I think yearly it's somewhere around the $250,000 range that they raise, just as teens from churches within the Assemblies of God in New Jersey. Um, our teens last year, what did they raise last year? What came up to Speed of light through Life Tree? I don't even remember, huh? Yeah, yeah, I don't remember. It was, it was, a, it was a good number. So basically, like when my parents, who were missionaries in Mexico, when they show up um, uh, in Mexico to be missionaries, they were handed the keys to a brand new a uh, Toyota 4Runner, paid for by teens in New Jersey, to help them do what they're doing when they get there. You don't have to worry about that. How incredible is that? Come on. So, like, that's what, and, and we believe that, you know, we're not, I just have a, a personal conviction about fundraising that we don't just ask for money. That you've got to actually do something, either provide a product or a service. So they made you pancakes so you can pay for that. They're not going to, you know, if somebody wants to shake hands, that's OK. But personally, I don't feel like that's all right. So I think for them, what they're going to do is they're going to either you know, do a car wash or they're going to sell cookies or they're going to pancakes today. So all the money that came in today, they worked. All the money that they raised, because, I mean, those pancakes were worth at least 50, 60 bucks. You know, I mean, it was it was really good. Um, but all that money will go towards Speed the Light. Uh, so just so you know, if you didn't get a chance to contribute to that and you would like to, you can just designate Speed the Light on your offering envelope today, and it'll make sure that we get uh, gets into there. Um, so thank you, teens, and thank you to Pastor Dre and Carrie and the youth staff for, uh, for just the great job they do each and every week with our, with our Rooted Youth. I'm telling you, they are, they are brave people, and it's going where no one has gone before, you know, it's just uh, that they're, they're fantastic, and I'm grateful for them, uh, for, their, for their leadership in that way. So, as I said, continuing our series on Jesus at the Center, uh, each of the past four weeks, that's our theme for this year, Jesus at the Center of Our Lives, How Can We Incorporate Jesus at the Center, that's sort of our mission for this year, and each week we've talked about a different uh approach. The first week was at the center of our really of our year, kind of setting it up of our day, you know, talked about SOAP and what that meant. You know, SOAP is an acronym, SOAP, scripture, observation, application, prayer. It's just a method for how we can do a daily reading time with God. It's really simple. Um, anybody can do it. And uh, we've got resources on the back. Uh X factor table for you. If you don't have them, you can grab a journal. We've got Bibles, reading plans, everything to equip you to do this. It's very simple and in those journals we'll have an explanation of how to do soap. So Jesus the center of our day. The second week was Jesus at the center of our attention, learning to listen to Jesus. You know, who has your ear? And we talked last week about Jesus at the center of our healing. that he heals us and enables us to actually heal others while we're in the process of being healed. And that's what Jesus does when he's at the center. And this week, we're going to talk about Jesus at the center of our influence. Of our influence. Now, influence is a funny word because it some people think it's a good thing. Some people think it's a bad thing. Um, some people think it's a dirty word, right? And, you'll, and you're going, what are you talking about? Well, have you ever heard somebody say, well, I don't want to influence you. I don't want to influence your thinking, right? I don't want to influence the outcome, right? We get upset with, in sports, when referees influence the game, right? They, they shouldn't influence it. They should just be there, but I don't want to actually influence anything, Right, I don't want to influence your opinion. So what are we talking about when we talk about influence? Like, what is it really? Um, Webster defines it as the power or capacity of causing an effect in direct or intangible ways. Now, all of you don't remember a word I just said. That's what happens as soon as you say Webster, it just shuts off. Um, basically, the word first referred to a celestial fluid. Originally, the word influence came from this idea of this space juice that was believed to flow from stars. And as the fluid reached the earth, it supposedly affected the actions of the planet's inhabitants. So there was this space juice that would come down and affect the earth, and they called that influence. That's where that word came from. And and then um, the Latin word was influentia. And it was for a time believed that sickness and epidemics were caused by unusual interactions with the planets. So something would happen in the planets and we'd all get sick. Hence, influenza. Oh, there we go. Influence. It's actually really interesting that it started with this idea that planet space juice affects us. It's pretty cool. Um, basically, though, what it's come to mean for us is unseen power that changes things. If I influence you, it's immeasurable, intangible power that changes something else. It's influence. There's no physical interaction between me and you, but I can influence you by an unseen power. That's what influence is about. And I think the reason influence has come to have some negative connotation is because, very simply, people abuse it. Right? You walk in a store. And the salesperson immediately tries to sell you red shoes. And you know you want blue shoes. But they're gonna try and influence you because the red shoes are more expensive. I used to work at lens crafters. I don't wear glasses. It was kind of ironic. Um, but I would walk, I would work at lens crafters and we were supposed to upsell to featherweights back then. And the, and, and, you know, the transition lenses, which were big back, you know, the colors, you know, as fade in and now as you go out of the sun. And we would get, Actually, we would get more money if I could sell you a second pair. So I'd be like, hey, you really want some sunglasses that a prescription because if I can get you to buy two pairs, my commission like doubles, right? So I know that my influence is to try and communicate to you to buy things that you don't want because it's better for me, right? If you do, right, you read an article and as you're reading the article, you're pretty sure the author wants you to agree with their opinion, Right? And so they only share some of the facts. And as we're reading this, we're going, man, I can see them trying to influence my thinking. They're trying to shape it and form it. This is not objective. How dare they try and influence me? This is garbage. Right. You you read these things. Listen, I don't care what Rotten Tomatoes says about a movie. Right. If I think it looks good, I'm going to go see it. And typically, if Rotten Tomatoes says that the movie is no good, I like it. Anybody else? Right. And if they say, right, it's, it's it's the greatest movie and I go see it I'm like, man, that was terrible. Right. It's just their opinion. It's, but they're trying to influence me. Every time someone uses their influence to benefit themselves at our expense. We get a little more turned off to influence. Every time someone abuses it, I get a little more hesitant around it. It's a familiar story. Those in power. Influence others to do what they want, regardless of what's right. Right. The abuse of power, the abuse of influence. Every time we feel someone trying to push us in a direction, right, we bristle. You know, when somebody's trying to influence you and you go, don't, don't you don't try and move me. Don't try and make me think something. I want to have an open mind. Let me decide for myself. Right. You can share your opinion, but leave it there. Don't do my thinking for me. Right? Because that's an abuse of influence. The problem is that influence can also be good. And we miss some of that stuff because of people who are abusing it. Right? And here's an example of how it can be good. Think about somebody who's had an influence for good in your life. Who are some of the greatest influences in your life? Like just pause for a minute and think. Think of like two to three people right now who you would say have had probably the most significant influence on you. Maybe a parent, grandparent, friend, spouse, right? Who? Maybe someone from history. Maybe it was a book. Our college president used to call books his friends. Maybe your friend who wrote a book that you never met um, influenced you. Um, Is your life better because of their influence? Think about those people that have had positive influences on us. What influenced you most, right? Was it their words? Was it their actions? Was it their example? Was it just their presence? See, we're the product, whether we like it or not, we're the product of a smorgasbord of influences. You've got so many people who influence you. Through the years, others have shaped what we think, what we feel, what we enjoy, and what we do. We all have influences, and some are more significant than others. Right? Some have these, these lifelong influences on you and you can't get away, with, you can't get away from it. I, I know because there are people that cannot come to this church. They've told me they cannot come to this church until a parent passes away. Because the, the influence of a parent, the unseen power, just they, they wouldn't want to offend their parents by coming. And something in this interaction here, it, it holds weight. And then some are just passing moments, fleeting interactions with somebody that... That had an influence on us. I'll never forget. I have no idea what his name was. Um, there was a man at a church. I, I used to serve as a youth pastor at a church in Pennsylvania when I was in college, um, and uh, I don't really, I don't remember him. Uh, I just remember. I think his family somehow owned Tasty Cake. So of course I paid attention, right? Like I was very tuned into this gentleman. Um, I was probably 19. I was young. Imagine me, 19-year-old me. I was. Um, Much taller back then. Um, I was just a kid. And he was this tall, really well-dressed guy. It's kind of what I remember about him. I don't even remember his face. And I'm sure he had a lot to do. It was a one-time thing. He was just coming to visit. I was a volunteer youth leader there. And after service, the pastor introduced me as the youth leader to this guy. That was it. It was a simple little interaction. And he said five words to me. This is 20 years ago. He said five words to me. He said, "So, tell me about yourself." And for some reason, that caught me so off guard. I just remember thinking I was expecting to be like, "Nice to meet you. Hi, how you doing? Great to meet you." Right? "Thanks for what you're doing." And he says, "So, tell me about yourself." And then he stood there looking at me waiting for an answer. I remember, I was literally like, "Uh, where do I begin?" Like right, that's just an unusual question for me. He took a genuine interest in me, and he listened for maybe three or four minutes. And I was like, Well, uh the son of a pastor, uh, I go to Valley Forge, feel called to this, we are gonna tell him a little bit about myself, and he's like, Wow. And he listened, he genuinely paid attention to me for like four minutes. I never forgot it. I don't even know this guy's name. But it stands out to me. Maya Angelou, one of history's greatest poets, and many of you know this, says, I've learned that people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Anybody ever hear that? You've heard this before. He made me feel important. He influenced my life. Twenty years later, I'm still talking about the guy. I don't even know his name. I should just go look up Tasty Cake and see if I can find him. Um... I wish we'd stayed in touch. Um, I've heard it said there are two types of people who walk into rooms. Right? There are those that say, here I am. And there are those that say, there you are. Right? You can tell what kind of person he was. It's a remarkable fact that each one of us has the power to affect change in others. Isn't that interesting? You actually have the power To affect change in somebody else. To influence somebody else. Influence is not a pond. It's a stream. You are influenced and you have influence. It's a constant river of movement. And it raises just a few key questions for us. And here here are the four questions that I want to pose to you this morning. Who are you allowing to influence you? Who are you influencing? I think we have those four questions up there. Yeah, four questions. See if we can get them up there. Coming? There we go. What change? There we go. Who, are, who is influencing you? Who are you influencing? What change are you influencing in them? Right. And how is Jesus at the center of all this? How do we get Jesus at the center of our influence? If we're being influenced and if we're constantly influencing, how do we get Jesus at the center of it all? We've been studying Colossians. It's a letter that reveals the riches of who Jesus is in all his fullness. And there's a passage in Colossians here that reveals the key to a life of profound influence. I'm telling you, you, I like to read leadership books. I like to go to conferences. I like to study. I like to learn. This is better than any book conference, this one thing for me, is the difference maker when it comes to influence in a life of influence. So let's get to it. Colossians chapter one, verse six, I'm going to read just three verses, and here's what it says. It says, "This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understand the truth about God's wonderful grace. Very simply, everybody needs good news. Everybody needs good news. And the best news is this. God loves you more than you know and has more for you than you can imagine. That news, very simply, that good news, go back one, please, that good news changes lives. Very simply, that good news changed lives. It changed my life. It's changed many of your lives. That good news still changes lives. That good news is meant to go all over the world. And Paul reminded them how they heard of this. That's the next verse. He says here, listen, whose influence changed your life. Verse seven, you learned about the good news from Epaphras. Epaphras. (sighs) Our beloved co-worker, is Christ's faithful servant and he's helping us on your behalf. Leave it there. Whoever Epaphras is, it doesn't matter, but his influence changed the world because he influenced a small church in a small city. Your greatest influence will be measured by the people who point to you as a catalyst for them discovering the good news. The greatest influence you will have in your life is the people that will point back to you and say, because of Epaphras, because of joy, because of Kevin, because of Dan, I heard the good news. That's what it's going to come down to. What Paul says next reveals the catalyst that will make your influence bear real fruit. Verse 8. He, Epaphras, Has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. Powerful, isn't it? Didn't it just hit you? No. First time I read it, I was like, oh, all right, good verse. Next. No, but no, something, the more I thought about it, which, can I just pause for a minute? Which is why we need to read and reread and reread and think about. Because there are things that at first reading mean Nothing. Had we moved on to the next verse, we might miss the whole point of my message. (laughs) The Holy Spirit gives us love for others. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. The Holy Spirit gives you love for others. How is that the key to influence? Why does that matter? Very simply, it matters because this influence without love is an abuse of power. Influence without love is an abuse of power. The greatest temptation you will face every single day is to live for yourself. We can disguise selfishness behind a lot of righteous looking behavior. I can look kind, but really be all about myself making myself look better. I can be generous, but inside have very prideful motives. I can volunteer for lots of things and be motivated by tremendous guilt. Or a variety of other unworthy reasons. We can disguise a lot of self-living and nobody knows. If I use my influence to ultimately serve my own purposes, that's an abuse of power. And that matters because the way we use our influence in the little everyday things is how we will use it in the big things. There's no switch we turn off when it comes to big things. Like if I'm if I'm just using my influence as a dad over my kids and if I'm really just serving myself. Guess what? I'm going to do the same thing when it comes to being on this platform. If I'm selfish at home, I'll be selfish in school. I'll be selfish at work. I'll be selfish everywhere else. I have influence with my wife, with my kids, with our pastors, with friends. Hopefully they trust me. And I could easily abuse that trust and leverage my influence to get what I want. We do it every single day. If I don't want to have a meeting, I can make up a reason to move it. I can influence things and change my life because it's self-motivated. If I don't want to go out, I can influence my wife and say, hey, let's just stay in. But it's really just because I don't want to. If I don't want to play games, I can influence my kids to go away. Not now. Not now. I've got work to do. We can communicate things. Influence without love is an abuse of power. It's called domination. It's called manipulation. It's called control. And we do it with faith too. We try and tell people about Jesus not because we want them to know. Because we're trying to check off a box for ourselves. Because it makes ourselves feel better. Because we're guilty about other things. And so we try and push things on people. And if our agenda is not love then guess what? It's an abuse of power. And people smell it. And they feel it. And they bristle at it just like you would. But here, Paul reveals the secret to redeeming our influence. Because influence with love is the greatest use of power. The difference maker with influence is not money. There are a lot of really rich people who don't move me one inch. There are a lot of people with a lot of money. You know what influence they have on my life? Zero. The difference maker is not intelligence. There are a lot of people that can think circles around me. And they haven't changed my mind about anything. The difference maker is not power. History is filled with stories of people who have held tremendous positions of power. But they were unable to move others with it. Let me tell you, it didn't matter what the religious leaders threatened. Paul wasn't going to stop preaching didn't matter how many times he was jailed. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. wasn't going to stop fighting for equality. It didn't matter what the law said. Rosa Parks wasn't going to sit at the back of the bus. Right? The one and only thing that will actually give you the power to move me is love. Because there's something about love that changes me. It's not your desire to control me, but your love that moves me. See, if I know you love me, then I can be moved by you. That's why the good news is so influential. Let me tell you, the word of God, right, that you have, that's a love note from God to you. Which is why it has such power in our lives. Because it's not given from a, from a point of view of self-centered attention. God doesn't force us to respond But He chooses to compel us, to woo us, because He loves us. We call that compassion. We call it kindness. We call it grace. We can compare the qualities of influence with and without love, and I think it's helpful to do so. See, influence without love considers what is best for me. But influence with love considers what is best for you. See the difference? Influence without love Fears your right to choose. We become afraid. Can I just tell you, fear is a liar. Some of you are afraid that others won't listen, that God is not big enough to actually change someone. So you turn to manipulation to convince others that Jesus is who He really says He is. We come sometimes to talking about faith with people out of a point of desperation and we're desperately trying because we're afraid that they'll choose wrong. And so we bring fear into it and we try and control the conversation. We don't actually want to give them this big picture. Influence with love respects your right to choose. I love this. I've said it before. Charles Spurgeon said, I defend the gospel the same way I defend a lion. I get out of the way. God is big enough to handle it. Respect people's right to choose and let God do His work. Influence without love seeks to convince someone. Always trying to convince someone, but influence with love seeks a conversation. I love this quote, Erwin McManus. He said, I have so much confidence in the reality of Jesus that I feel no pressure to try to make people act or be a certain way. I love this. Listen, he says, I'm banking everything on the fact that God actually changes people. My goal is not to convince you. My goal is just to say, hey, here's Jesus. You deal with it. I'm not afraid of your decision-making power. I respect it. I'm not going to try and force you into a mold. That's an abuse of my influence. I'm going to open the door and say, hey, here's God. God, do your thing. Because I believe, I'm banking everything on the fact that God actually changes people. Let me tell you, influence without love is a tyrant. But influence with love is a servant. It's a Epaphras. Go back to the verse and it says, Epaphras was a servant. The way we manage our influence in the little things is how we'll use it when it comes to sharing the most important thing. And our responsibility to influence others is not a command to make them do anything. It is simply our job to love them to Jesus. So what? So what? God has given you the power to influence eternal destinies. How's that? Is that heavy? Is that good? You have the power to influence eternity for people. Just, I, I just want to let that soak in. I' sit for a minute. Think about that. Every single person in here, I don't care how young, how old, I don't care where you are in your faith, you have the power to influence the eternal destiny of the person sitting in the seat next to you. The person in front of you, the person behind you. You have that power. Because God has given it to you. See, influence is a God-given responsibility. You have it. You can't avoid it. And we're one day going to give account for it. Listen, we influence every single day unintentionally. You can also influence on purpose. The noblest use of your influence begins with love. I'm going to close in just a moment, Claire, if you want to come up and begin the play. So here's the question. How do we ensure that Jesus is the center of our influence on others? How do we make sure that what we're doing to others isn't just us influencing them and that we're not just being selfish? How do we guarantee that? How do I, how do I make sure? Because guess what? There are days where I think I'm doing good, but you know what? Deep down, i got bad motives. I know it's going to make me feel better about myself. I know it's very self-serving sometimes. We are broken people. How do we make sure that Jesus is at the center of our influence on others? So there's this thing called soap. Have you heard of it? (laughs) See, when we choose to let Jesus influence us every single day. Remember, influence is a stream. It's not a pond. It's not just that you know, it, it sits there and we just give out to other people and overflow once in a while. No, Jesus is pouring into us. And as He pours into us, we pour out. And as He pours in, we pour out. But if Jesus is not pouring in, guess what? I don't have any Jesus to pour out. I just pour out me. So the less time I spend filling up with Jesus, the less likely that what's coming out of me is going to be Him. So what inevitably happens is that if Jesus is not pouring in, I'm going to be using my influence without any love. And I'm going to go through my day just serving me. And I can disguise it good enough that maybe somebody else may not understand and may not know. And they may say from the surface, oh, he's a good guy. But they don't know how much pride goes inside of me. They don't know how much self-serving goes inside of me. Again, I can, I can disguise it really well. But if daily I'm allowing Jesus to influence me, guess what? He changes me. And then I got Jesus to give away. As you allow the good news to change you, you won't be able to stop being a change maker. It's kind of ironic. When you want power over people, you really don't have any. Power is given to those who don't desire it because they know how to use it. There will be no greater measure of your influence than the number of people in heaven because of you. Than the shores of eternity populated with family and friends and neighbors and classmates and teammates and co-workers and people who came to know the good news not because of your elegant speeches or because of the loads of money that you gave or fancy titles you had, but because of your love for them that led you to share how God changed you. I want to pray right now for you. Before we do, if you want to be an influencer, if you want people to know Jesus because of you, if you want to be a Epaphras, you don't have to call yourself that. Um, We set financial goals. We set career goals. We set education goals. We set fitness goals. It's February now. How's your New Year's resolutions going, right? 98% of them are gone. We set goals all the time. I want to challenge you today. Can we set some influence goals? How many people could God use you to share the good news with this year? Anybody set a goal for that? How many people can you share the good news with this year? I want you to think of a number right now. Don't tell anybody, just you. You and God. Think of a number. How many people? I mean, some of you are like really bold and you're like two. Some of you are like seven million. Think of a number. Now let's double it. Because I want to pray a prayer right now of multiplied influence over this whole room. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray for a moment? Heavenly Father, you have chosen to influence rather than enforce a relationship with us. There will come a day when all will recognize your sovereignty, but you do not command a relationship. We get to know You and Your great love for us here and now. Lord, there is no better news than that. Now may this same good news that came to us go out all over the world. May it bear fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed our lives from the day we first heard and understood the truth about Your wonderful grace. God, we ask that You would give us complete knowledge of Your will. Give us spiritual wisdom and understanding. May the way we live always honor and please you. And may our lives produce every kind of good fruit. And as it does, may we learn and grow to know you better and better. We also pray that we'll be strengthened with all your glorious power so that we'll have all the endurance and patience we need. The work is hard and the journey is long. So may we be filled with joy. May we always be thankful for You. Father, You have enabled us to share in the inheritance that belongs to Your people who live in the light. You have rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of Your dear Son, Jesus Christ, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. This is the greatest news of all. God, may we be influencers. Would You influence us? And would it go forth from us? Jesus always be at the center. Forgive us for those times we have used our influence for our own interests. And let today be a new day where we begin to let You transform us. And may we begin to leverage our influence with love. Truly, doing what's best for others. In your loving and life-changing name, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit us at wearelifetree.com or on Facebook and Instagram at wearelifetree.